Perhaps we can make a start this morning by opening up our hymnals and singing Psalm 100. Psalm 100, all people that on earth do dwell, sing to the earth with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, his praise forth tell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Let us stand to sing the entire hymn. seated. Let us unite our hearts in prayer and seek the Lord's face at this time. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee once again that we are found in the place of worship. Lord, as we just sang, all people that on earth do dwell. Lord, that there would be a great singing of praise to Thy name here this morning. That, Lord, that Thou would give us that holy disruption of heart to seek the living God, as Lord, we do seek Thee at this time, then Lord, we ask that Thou would intervene in a special way, that Thou would still our hearts before God. Lord, we understand the times. We understand that there is a great falling away. We understand, O God, that this is a time that none seek after God. But Lord, we thank Thee this morning that there is a people that have failed to bend the knee to apostasy. We thank Thee this morning, O Lord, that God does give a people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank Thee, O Lord, that before Jacob wrestled with Thee, Thou did wrestle with him. And Lord, we pray that Thou would take hold of our hearts here this morning, that we would not meet in a vain thing, that, Lord, we would not meet just to hear the opinions of men, that we would not meet here just to dwell on the philosophies of the time, 
but Lord, that we can hear Thy voice, that voice of the Savior. And O Lord, that we can see Thy glory through the face of Jesus Christ, that there truly would be a fresh vision of the Savior. And Lord, that we can depart this place not in discouragement, not with controversial thought, but we can leave encouraged in our hearts, knowing that we have seen the finger of God move here this morning. Lord, we pray that Thou would be in our midst. Lord, what could we possibly accomplish apart from the moving of the Holy Ghost? What could we possibly, what ground could possibly be taken apart from God moving in our midst? So, Lord, we look to Thee at this time as the psalmist did say, Now, O God, is the time to work. Lord, we ask of Thee once again that Thou would pour out Thy Spirit, that we would see the power and the fullness of, a, of that, that Holy Spirit, Lord, which we take the promise here this morning. And, O God, we pray once again that Thou would bless those other churches that are making a stand for Thee. We think of those who are laboring for Thy work. We think of the mission field. We think of all those needs across this world. We think of the persecuted church, those who cannot meet, those who cannot go into the place of worship. They have to go underground. So, Lord, we pray for them. And, Lord, we thank Thee for the freedom that we have to meet in this place and to worship the Savior. And, Lord, that we can point to Thee. And, Lord, we pray once again that Thou would appoint sinners unto Thyself, that, Lord, that there would be sinners saved here this morning. Lord, we expect Thee to work. Lord, we know the power of the gospel. Lord, we pray that Christ would be exalted above high here this morning. We think of those who are traveling. We think of Dr. Larry Saunders. We ask that Thou would be with him. We think of the week of prayer coming up. Lord, we pray that Thou would be in their midst that, Lord, with all these decisions to be made, that the Spirit of God would have influence. And, O oh God, we pray that the Spirit would be at work. Lord, we need Thee to work in our time, work in our midst, bless our hearts. And, Lord, we look to Thee at this time for that great blessing. And Lord, we dare not leave this place unless Thou dost bless us. O oh God, we ask of all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Let us turn to another hymn, 552. Five hundred and fifty-two, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. Let us stand to sing the entire hymn.
you can please take your Bibles this morning to turn to our first scriptural reading found in Nehemiah chapter 1. And Nehemiah could be a hard book to find. If you hit Psalm, you went too far. You're going to have to backtrack. Ezra, then Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. And this is the news from Jerusalem to Nehemiah. Chapter 1 and verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night. The children of Israel, thy servants, and Confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost parts of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed, by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. May the Lord add his special blessing upon his infallible, inherent, and inspired word. Let us bow our heads for a moment in prayer, asking for the Lord's help. Our Father and our God, we come before thy throne of grace once again. Lord, as we storm the mercy seat, Lord, we ask of thee that thou would now go before us in thy midst, and Lord, that thou would give help to the speaker of thy word, give an ear to hear, And Lord, we pray that Thou would open our hearts to Thy blessing, which Thou hast spoken in Thy Word. Go before us, we ask. And Lord, may there be a great burden for God's work here this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, it's a pleasure to be here once again to bring to you God's Word as we uh, take up some necessary announcements uh, after this first scriptural reading. Uh, Do uh, remember these uh, flowers, as you see in front of you, as uh, Mrs. Illigan uh, left them in donation uh, for her husband. Uh, You can see how beautiful they are uh, right here. 
do remember also uh, Thanksgiving services next week as the Reverend uh, Golliger will uh, be speaking at both services uh, next week. And Lord willing, I hope to be the speaker uh, here tonight, uh, which we will resume our uh, time of prayer at 5.50 and commence our service uh, at uh, 6.30. Do also remember the week of prayer as the ministers will meet together uh, to discuss uh, the work of God there. And do remember uh, your own minister, Dr. Larry Saunders, as I am sure he will covet your prayers uh, even during uh, this time. And do also remember next week there is a non-perishable food drive uh, for those who uh, would like to bring anything non-perishable. Uh, well, you can leave, there will be a spot for them uh, in the front uh, foyer for those who want to uh, partake. And do remember uh, the Wednesday night prayer meeting as well. And Lord willing, Dr. McClellan uh, will take the Wednesday night uh, prayer meeting of uh, this week. Those are all the necessary announcements, and we will turn to another hymn. If we can please turn to 561. And if you notice, the theme of these hymns are consecration, giving it all for God, uh, being a sellout for God as we will get into the Word and seeing uh, how Nehemiah uh, was burdened for the work of God. Let us sing 561, and we will stand to sing the entire hymn.
be seated. You take your Bibles once again and turn to Nehemiah chapter 2 for our second reading. As we know, chapter 1 was devoted to the prayer of Nehemiah, and chapter 2 will be the action to the prayer. And do notice chapter 2, verse 4, as we come, which will be our text for this morning. Chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in the presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste? The gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what doest thou, for what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? When wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to the governors beyond the rivers, that thou mayest convey me over till I come unto Judah. A letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. The king granted me, according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me, when Sanballat and Horonite and Tobiah, the servant of the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly. There was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there uh, three days. May the Lord add his blessing to his inspired, infallible, and inherent word. And may we know something of the burden of Nehemiah uh, here this morning. It is without a doubt that in our present day time, we see that there is a struggle. There is a struggle for the work of God. It is without a doubt that one cannot argue that the church is in need. As we know, as even the facts have proven, as the real estate report has come out, that they have never seen so many churches for sale in their time. That in the last five to ten years, they have seen listing after listing of empty church buildings. That there was once a time that uh, whole uh, cities would be shut down and a Sunday would be a place of worship for that whole city. That there was uh, once a time where God's work was put on a pedestal and was the primary function of people's lives. But friend, in our time we see as the work of God has been neglected. We see in our time that uh, God's call and His work has been put mainly in the background. That man's ambition surely comes first. We often remember that great hymn, Above Thine Own Ambitions Be. And it may be a cry to God here this morning that uh, truly that God's ambition would be first. But what can we learn from Nehemiah as he was burdened for the work of God? 
Where did this call come from? Why was this burden gnawing upon this man as we just read in chapter 1 as he laid hold upon his God? Well, if you wanted to find Nehemiah, you can find him in the place of prayer. That's what chapter 1 opens up. If you wanted to know what Nehemiah was doing, well, you can find him on his knees, winning in the place of God. If you wanted to know what Nehemiah was all about, well, you can find him and see what he was doing. It was a burden for the work of God in our Christian lives. We are always surrounded with critical points in time, whether it's in emergency situations. But here is a man of Nehemiah that was praying before the action that God gave him the opportunity to be set forth before this great king. But he was found praying for that God-given opportunity. And sometimes a quick and direct prayer will quicker reach the Lord when it comes from the heart in the time of need. We can rest assured that the Lord will hear the cries of His people and be sure to answer according to His divine will. Nehemiah truly meant business with God as he prayed, believing that God would surely answer his prayer, although not knowing how the Lord would answer or give him the opportunity. In our context, it opens up with the man, Nehemiah, serving in the court of King Artaxerxes of Babylon. While he is serving, some of his fellow Jews came to visit him and asked how Jerusalem was doing and the people who were dwelling there. And friend, this is a very grim picture. The report was not good. The gates were torched with fire. The report was not good that they gave. They told them that the wall of the city was destroyed. The wall of the city has been torched. The people there were in great distress. And friend, Nehemiah was a countryman. Oh, friend, he was burdened for his country. Are you not burdened for the state of your country this morning? Are you not burdened for what is going to become of this apostate decision-making? Are you burdened for your country? Nehemiah was greatly burdened as we read that he was sorrowful. And he began to weep as he heard the news. This greatly brought sorrow to Nehemiah's heart and he fasted and prayed for days for the city knowing that nothing could be done for Jerusalem without the king Artaxerxes authorization. He knew that there could be possibly no rebuilding unless we get and go before the king that he would authorize us to go and to rebuild. You see, humanly speaking, this was a very impossible task. There's many things were needed. He needed safe passageway. He needed resources. He needed money. He needed manpower. But here Nehemiah is found in the place of prayer. And Nehemiah was concerned and burdened for Jerusalem. And when the king asked him why he was sad, and then ask him, what would you request? His friend, it all leads up to this point. A very grim picture. It was then we see that the Lord gave his response in verse 4. But even before the response, let us focus on, so I pray to the God of heaven. This was without a doubt a man that was burdened to go and rebuild what they have destroyed a man that was burdened to go and build up what the enemy has torn down. Friend, the title of this morning's message is A Burden for the Work of God. And you can know in our time that there is a great need. There is a great need for the church. There's a great need for the mission field. There's a great need for the things of God. But we can see that when did Nehemiah pray? We can learn something here before choosing his answer in verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? 
We see a question addressed to Nehemiah by the king point blank upon which lingered on possibly not only issues of life and death, but the success or failure of his long prayed for desire. It all came to this point, friend. We often remember that great parallel verse in Esther chapter 4, verse 16 when Haman was mustering up his master plan to destroy the Jewish people. Well, we see Esther with that great response. If I perish, then I perish. You see the sense of need for God's work. Lives put on the line of God's work, it must go forward. These were truly men and women that were sellouts to God. They left it all to Him. And here, it all comes down to this point in Nehemiah's life. And friend, I ask you the same question this morning. Are you burdened for the work of God? Maybe you have your ambitions all lined up, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this in life, and I'm going to be this person. But friend, I ask you, are you sure that's what God is calling you to do? Perhaps you work in an office. Perhaps you work with your hands. I tell you, are you sure? Are you sure that's what God is calling you to do? Well then, friend, let us get into it and see this call, this great burden that was placed upon Nehemiah and how he handles it. Notice also here the silent prayer of his heart. As coming to that great decision, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Not giving a straight answer, but stopping a moment in time as we know that this was a conversation. And the king knew he was sad. Lotus uh, verse 3 in chapter 2 verse 3, why is thy countenance be sad? He, he goes as his answer here, he answers the king very boldly. And said unto the king in verse 3, Let the king live forever. This is Nehemiah speaking here. Why should not my countenance be sad? As the king figured out, well, if you're not sick, then it must be sorrow of heart. And friend, as we backtrack and we see, as we know, Nehemiah's position as the king's cupbearer. This was a very noble position. This was a very high position in the high courts to be the king's cupbearer. And we know in the protocol of that time that it was a great flaw to go before the king in a sad state. You would never think to go before King Artaxerxes in a sad state. As we know, it could lead to demotion. It could even lead to death. Look at the answer from Nehemiah. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city of the place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. That's the burden that God placed upon his heart, not to shed some fake tears, or to tell the king what he wanted to hear. He showed the king what the Lord has placed upon his heart. Then the king said unto me, What does thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Here he is praying to the God of heaven before taking action. My friend, I tell you, there's two types of people in this world. There are those that gripe about the times. There are those that complain about the times and yet do nothing about it. And there's another category of people that they see the times and they do something about it. Nehemiah was a doer of the words. Not only could you find him in the place of prayer, but he took his prayers to action. And in verse 4 we see, after the king asked Nehemiah of his request, we see Nehemiah did not jump into action with a hasty response, but instead he turns to the God of heaven. He prayed to the God of heaven to direct his thoughts and words that the Lord may grant Nehemiah's request. 
He prayed that the Lord would influence the heart of the king, Artaxerxes. The amazing thing we see here is that although Nehemiah was sore afraid, as it says in 2 verse 2, then I was sore afraid because he knew what it was to go sad in the presence of the king. Friend, this is a very serious thing. This is life or death. As I mentioned to you those words in Esther, if I perish, then I perish. There's the solemn heart for God's work. There's the solemn moving of the Spirit of God to go and to take up the burden of the call of God. And friend, it must be away with the idea that man has the answers for God's work. Away with the thought that a bunch of boardroom members can come up with some mastermind plan to prosper the work of God. My friends, this morning, what ground could be taken if we had men like Nehemiah to pour it all out to God? What advancement of the gospel could be seen? We had that burden placed upon people's hearts to go and rebuild. Oh, I tell you, great ground could be taken. I tell you, if there's no sense of need for God's work, then what possibly can be done? But this man in chapter 1, as we see, there was a great need put upon his heart. As chapter 1, as he said, when I heard these words in chapter 1, verse 4, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and I mourned certain days and fasted. Not fake tears. Not man-made tears. Tears coming from the heart. Devastated by what he hurts. And friend, you can pray that same prayer that Nehemiah said in verse 5. Lord, I beseech thee. An urgent cry to God to work. You want to see an advancement of the church. Then God must be at work. And that's the teaching of the Holy Ghost here. It is first that God lays hold upon man. As God laid hold upon this man, Nehemiah, it was a very afraid thing to be in front of the king. This was a very crucial position in his life. And throughout our Christian lives, we require a special assistance in care and counsel. And friend, what a thing it is to lay hold upon God because he first lays hold upon you. Being put in this position, being put in this position that he can say, Lord, direct me. We are not to take our great burdens of life on our own back to try to deal with them solely ourselves without calling upon the name of God Almighty. Notice here once again, as he's before the king, so I pray to the God of heaven. There wasn't an opportunity here to go into the back room and to start crying out to God. There was no opportunity to call a friend and to seek some support. This was a life or death situation. So I prayed to the God of heaven. That was the answer. That all Nehemiah's point in time, it all leads up to this point. Many years of prayer and fasting to be set before the king. The road is through him. God's work must go on. Then this king must give me authorization to go and build. Friend, it is the praying and crying of the heart that God delights in. And therefore, friend, let me tell you, no man or woman then excuse himself in the place of prayer to lift your hearts up to God, whether doing simply daily chores or finding yourself in the predicament in life, a quick prayer shot up to heaven and received by God Almighty. A spontaneous prayer. In chapter 2, verse 4, we see Nehemiah say, So I pray to the God of heaven. He didn't have time to get down upon his knees. Very quick prayer. As we also see a parallel A good example of this could be found in Acts chapter 7, verse 59, when Stephen was being stoned, and as the stones were flying, it says, 
he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Quick and solemn prayer. Very quickly his life was about to be taken from him. He briefly seeks God's face and asks God to help him through the valley of the shadow of death. And friend, as this great buildup we see, we see there's many obstacles in Nehemiah's way. We read those three tribes of Tobiah that wanted to keep the foot suppressed upon God's work. They were the ones responsible for the destruction of the Jerusalem walls to go and destroy. But here's Nehemiah burdened to go and rebuild. They would love to keep their foot on the head, as you can say. It did not look good. But friend, let us see the outcome of Nehemiah's prayer. Let us see the outcome of this burdened man that when God calls a man, he always equips, and it was utterly successful. Look at chapter 2, verse 8, as it says, And the king granted me, doesn't say according to the arm of flesh, doesn't say according to my friends that were giving me moral support, doesn't say according to the church that sent me, it says according to the good hand of my God upon me. And friend, at that present day and time, you could take ten Artaxerxes and you can set them in front of Nehemiah. Friend, you can take the Roman army of the time, as it says, the marching army like sounding brass. You can set them before Nehemiah. And I tell you, with all the national leaders of the time, it would have been the same response. And the king granted me according to the good hand of God that was upon me. We want to see something being done for his work. And God must be at work. As that great psalmist would pray, now, O God, is the time to work. And I can tell you, Nehemiah, as he was, uh, took initiative to take action to his prayers, now, O God, was it time to work. And a great thing when we see a moving of God, as we read that great parallel verse in Proverbs 21, verse 1, the king's heart, is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. As he took the king's heart in his hand that day and he turned it to prosper his work. As he uses the wicked kings to go and to advance the gospel, he takes these kings and he goes and he proves himself just to show how high and mighty that God really is. We often think of that verse when the Lord said about Pharaoh's heart, I hardened Pharaoh's heart. I'm the one responsible for the stubbornness of this great apostate Pharaoh. Just to show the Almighty God's hand and the prospering of his work. And here we see again, according to to the good hand of my God that was upon me. And Nehemiah, like all praying men, was very grateful towards the Lord. He gave glory not to himself, but knew very well that it was truly the good hand of God that was upon me. And here we also see verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and there three days. And before that it says, when Sanballat and Horonite and Tobiah the servant. Now the king had sent captives. And friend, there might be many things against the work of God in our time. We must take it upon our own hearts to be burdened. To be burdened for God's work to go on. To take initiative. To go on and not just gripe about the time, but to take to action. 
As Nehemiah was a man of action, the unregenerate men in this foolish world continue to praise themselves. They congratulate themselves instead of giving God the glory. It was wiser to acknowledge God, to see how beautiful and appropriate it is to realize that the hand of the God of heaven is controlling all issues and therefore conferring all good for the glory of His kingdom. With some, prosperity leads to pride and spiritual injury, while in others it inspires gratitude and thankfulness to, to the Lord God Almighty. And the miracle was the outcome was it was pleasing to the king. In chapter 1, verse 11, we see Nehemiah as the king's cupbearer, had the opportunity to speak to the king, approaching, and his petition was marked by his humble heart. Notice how he addresses his petition. If it please the king. Friend, he came humbly as a servant. We know the great parallel here, friend, if you're not saved this morning. And this is all foreign to you. God's call and the burden of God. Nehemiah came as a servant, not as a proud man, not as a proud national leader. He came as a servant. And we know as the Lord came into this earth, He didn't come born into a palace. He didn't come as some great national leader with riches and nations behind Him, but it says that He was born in a manger. He came humbly. It says He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But yet the Savior of the world has shaken this very place and did His work on the cross of Calvary. And friend, I tell you that you would seek the servant's face here this morning. That you would see His glory in the face of Jesus Christ to keep and to make sinners righteous before Himself. And then it will all make sense to you. God's call and His burden. We know that it was God that placed this burden upon Nehemiah. Before Jacob ever wrestled with God, it was God first that wrestled with him. And I tell you, that's the way, friend, we must approach the throne of grace of King Jesus on his throne. Approach as his servant, humble in heart, that we would make our petitions known unto him. Putting our own ambitions last, we can look to God and say, Lord, what is it that thou would have me to do? Because it often relates that when Nehemiah was before the king, here I am, Lord, let me rebuild the gates. Send me, Lord, as we know that Isaiah's vision of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, his train filled the temple. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? There's the initiative. There's the initiative. Then said I, here am I, Lord, send me. It's the same principle. There's action to the prayer. My friends, what ground could be taken? That if men would be burdened for pulpit ministries, that there would be men and women burdened for the mission work, that there would be a great sense of need for the work of God, that they could say those same words, Here am I, Lord, send me. Oh, friend, great ground could be taken. We often think of that quote from the late American preacher R.A. Torrey. As he said the statement, in the history books, as it's recorded, give me ten men, he said, give me ten men filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, I'll shake the world. A very bold statement. A very bold statement, but friend, we know, as history tells us, that it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to have a record of 100,000 souls being added to the kingdom of God under his career. A three-year period. And he didn't have the use of technology either. 
That was his prayer. Lord, give me ten men filled with the Holy Spirit and I'll shake the world. Here it is the same thing as Nehemiah, as he meant business with God. He was a sellout for God. He didn't have his bucket list with him and saying, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. He put God's work first. He had his eyes fastened upon what God wants me to do. Notice what it says, that I told no men what God has placed upon my heart. That's what he said. That I told no man what God has placed upon my heart. It was a holy disruption of heart, and thus it be our prayers of this time. God, give us a holy disruption of heart to go and take up works and to go and prove God. Sadly enough, the cry of the time is to even young people, go with your own ambition. Do the best you can. Get the best job there is. Build the best retirement you can. Forget about the things of God. Friend, it is a call. Above thine own ambitions be. It's above your ambitions here this morning. God's call is a great thing. When a man's heart is burdened, my friend, it's not like the things you see today that when a preacher, he wants a job and he goes to the church offering his resume, can you give me a job? Where is the call of God today? A seminary is denying the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Well, it makes perfect sense why the church is where it is. Makes sense, doesn't it? I don't see John the Baptist sending a resume for a church in his time. What does it say about John the Baptist? He was a man that he was born with the Holy Spirit. He was born with that call in his heart to go and to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, to go and to take up the work which God has appointed me to do. That's the call of God. The call of God is not an appointment of board members in a room to go and to send a man into the field. The call of God is not a career path. The call of God is not mustered up in the back room, but it's when God lays hold upon a man. In the same words, and I dare not tell any man what God has placed in my heart. All chapter 1 devoted to the tears and the weeping of his country that he would see something done for God in his time. So, friend, as it is in our time, you want to see the church advance, God must move. You want to see anything done for God, then God must move. You want to see the church advance, you want to see ground taken, then it's got to be sell out to God. There's no other way. But as many have tried the other way, never worked. May it be our own ambitions, and in conclusion, in our text, then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? Artaxerxes knew that a complaint was contained in Nehemiah's speech. There was no apology for God's call. Why shouldn't I be sad? He's talking back to the king. That was a bold answer. Why shouldn't I be sad when the work of God is being decimated? Why, should I, why shouldn't I be sad? It's a bold answer before a king. There's no apology for the gospel here this morning, friend. And many have taken pulpit ministries and apologized to the sinner because of their sin. They apologize because they preach upon hell. Jesus Christ never came from heaven to apologize to lost for his work on the cross. No apology this morning, friend. It's God's word and his word only. And he prayed. Nehemiah prayed on the basis on the word of God to be set in the courts of this high king. So I pray to the God of heaven. He truly meant business with God in every danger and every difficulty, still more in any crisis, he would turn to prayer. As we see so many times in the Old Testament, we see many times, and the word of the Lord came unto me. It always starts with God. Right from Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God. 
It all comes from Him. Yes, God uses men and women to do His work. It starts with God. It's going to end with Him. Man is just a mere clay pot, a broken vessel. But in the hands of a potter, 100,000 souls added unto the kingdom. Give me 10 men filled with the Holy Spirit and I'll shake the world. The Lord gave him that. Same was it for Nehemiah. And look what happens after the king grants him. Look at uh, chapter 2 and verse 8. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams. He's getting the resources. And the gates of the palace which appertain to the house for the wall of the city, for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me. He's getting everything he asked for. He's getting the timber to rebuild. He's getting safe passageway. Everything begins to open up. It's the finger of God is moving. Friend, as we know, as this prayer was offered silently and swiftly, it is refreshing to the soul. We can also make our petitions known to the Lord, not being constrained by time or place, but a quick arrow to heaven, whatever circumstance you may be in. And let us end with those great words of the hymn writer. The great words of the hymn writer in 576. Notice what it says here. Above thine own ambitions here. Yes, friend, God's calls above your own ambitions. Another voice is sounding clear. It is the call of God to thee. O leave thine all and follow me. That is the call. Go through with God thy vows to pay. Thy life upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and bring to thee God's very best. Let us stand to sing the entire hymn.
for closing prayer. Father and our God, once again we lay hold upon Thee. Lord, we ask now that Thou would depart us with Thy blessing. Lord, that Thou would truly burden us with that call. We can say the same words as Nehemiah said, Lord, I beseech Thee. The same words as Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord, send me. God, we ask that Thou would burden men and women to take up Thy word. Fill empty churches. Add unto the church such as that should be saved. Bring them in, O Lord. Grant that sound of abundance of rain. Lord, we can say that same words as the psalmist said. Now, O God, is the time to work. Depart us with thy blessing. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.